0: to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Goner. Are you ready? Here we go. Hello, and welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. Thank you to all of you who come back each week and listen. Your loyalty to this podcast means so much to me. This show has grown beyond my wildest dreams. The total downloads in one month now are close to the amount of downloads I had in all of 2020. Amazing. And I'm so very grateful. This has opened up so many beautiful relationships and new friendships. Every guest has made an impact in my life in some way or another, and that is what has transformed my life and has grown my spirituality to a level I never knew existed. It is so much fun to get out and find new guests to learn from and continue to grow and expand. Today's guest is Ben Easter, all the way from Bonnie Lake, Washington, a little town close to where I grew up. In fact, a fun fact about Bonnie Lake is a few months ago when I get my email about where my listeners are from, Bonnie Lake, Washington was on the list. Coincidence? (laughs) So thank you. If any of my listeners are out there from Bonnie Lake, you now have a neighbor named Ben Easter, who you are going to want to be your friend. Before I tell you more about Ben, I just want to remind you of my free monthly masterclasses each month. You can find the link in the show notes or just email me or check me out on social media, always and everywhere at Ashley Goner. I am in the middle of my Raising Confidence and Magic Path courses right now. So if you want to get your name on the waiting list, that link is also in the show notes. I am working with an entire family this summer, all the way from Atlanta, Georgia, and it is the most transformational journey I have witnessed this far in both of my courses. Could you imagine both parents doing the magic path and both kids ages 14 and 16 doing raising confidence right alongside of each other? It's absolute magic. Nothing brings me more joy than to watch a family be committed to making their family and their kids equipped with tools that will change their lives forever. Remember to connect with me on social media to get all the latest episodes and classes and to subscribe to this podcast so you can get notified each week when a new episode comes out every Tuesday. I also want to offer everyone who wants Dominic Zenden to do an aura profile for you or someone you you know a 25% discount when you mention my name when emailing Dominic at auraprofiling at gmail.com. Dominic has such a gift. I want you all to have your auras read. He's read my entire family's aura and is so accurate and precise in each of us, you almost can't imagine how he can know all of your characteristics by seeing the colors that are in your aura. It's amazing. And as always, I want to thank you all so much for always listening and sending me the sweetest messages after you listen. They light me up. So let me tell you a little bit about Ben Easter's background before I bring him on. Benjamin Easter got his undergraduate degree in philosophy and religion from FSU, his master's in Chinese medicine, and his certified professional coaching certification from the World Coach Institute. He's also taken coaching development courses from masters in the field, such as Tony Robbins, Thomas Leonard, and Rich Litvin. Influenced by his love of strategy and games and martial training, Ben's coaching style is a blend of strategic planning, practical exercises, and laser-focused, playful curiosity. I know you're going to love Ben as much as I have, so let's bring him on the show. So without further ado, please welcome Ben Easter to the show. Welcome, Ben.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Ashley.
0: You're so welcome. It's funny because how often do you meet, get introduced to someone and then find out that he lives where you grew up, lives like, you know, 10 minutes from where I grew up in Washington State. But I want to tell you an interesting fact. Every month, I get a download from Jenny Media saying, you know, my analytics and who are the top three places that have been listening to your podcast. It was a few months ago, but it was Bonnie Lake. Nice. I mean, who who's in Bonnie Lake? Like, isn't that funny?
1: I love that so much.
0: Yeah, that was one of the three. And the last month was Seattle. So maybe all my high school friends or You know, you just never know who's listening when you have a podcast. You're like, please, I hope someone's listening. But when you get the analytics back and you're seeing that, you're like, oh, people do listen. (laughs) I'm not just sitting here like talking to myself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's nice. So welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: And Ginny introduced us and I see why now going down my Ben Easter little rabbit hole. But, (laughs) you know, I love... And if you've listened to my podcast in the past, I love and why I call it uncover your magic is I know everyone has magic and I love knowing when they really first realize it. And I love teaching kids that every single day there's magic, but you just got to look for it and keep your head up and find it's always there. When I look at your childhood and there's so many benchmarks in your life that you took it and you like, it's like a pivot. And you're like, okay, I did this pivot. (laughs) Then you're like, (laughs) okay, I get to the next level. And you're like, okay, that happened. I'm going to pivot again. But when I look at, I want you to explain how you were as a kid, how you were raised, your religion, all that, and then go to high school. So there's certain things I want benchmarks. Okay. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Yeah. You got it.
1: So I was raised by a single mother. My dad was not in the picture from the time I was like two. And, uh, so I was raised by my mom and my grandmother and my, my aunts, they basically all collaborated on my raising. My mom was a super intelligent woman. She was like sharp, also very like adept at like understanding how people worked. And so like, I basically, she was really good at getting me to do (laughs) whatever the thing was that she wanted me to do. And, uh, like I remember this is brilliant. I love this. We're going to do this with our kids. Um, she, so there was a rule in my house. No, I, I didn't have to go to bed. If I was reading, as long as I was reading, I could stay up as late as I wanted to, which is brilliant. If you think about it, cause what are you, you're you're going to fall asleep while you're reading. Anyway, right. Right. But she baked in this like lifelong love of learning for me because of that. Um, so that was just like one of the things that she did. So we, we had that, you know, raised with religion kind of like, you know, we would have called ourselves Christian, I guess. I really had a hard time with it. Once I started asking questions and I like really couldn't, get the answers back from any any church that we were going to. Had a really hard time with that. By the time I was in high school, considered myself like staunch atheist until I had this experience on drugs.
0: Right. <laughs> and that's I, what I can't wait for you to share that.
1: Yeah. And so anyway, and then from then on, like I was just like absolutely convinced. I just said I I had been looking at it wrong. And I I think that's like such a useful framework is to just understand that the way that we see things really influences our opinions about them and like our stories that go on in the world. That's like why we call our company lucid shift coaching is because it's about like shining a light on something. Mm-hmm. And sometimes all it takes is shining a light on it. And then it'll change in and of itself. Like you just immediately have a different relationship to it. So that's something really big milestones. I don't know. Like I, I, when I was eight years old, I, I was in my first play and I decided oh, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm going to be an actor. Right. That is the, the end of my my path. And then after I had this experience in high school, I was like, Oh, I don't want to be fake anymore. I can't, I don't want to like, I'm not here to be dramatic. I'm here really to be aligned with what's real in the world with who, with, with, you know, what's mo what my authentic truth is, you know? Right. And so I had that experience, I had this massive head injury when I was 19, right after I had the awakening. And then I had this, this uh, traumatic brain injury changed the trajectory of my life right after that, where I, you know, I lost my social skill. I damaged the left temporal region of my brain, which amongst other things, it seems to have some kind of impact on my language acquisition and my ability to communicate clearly my ability to understand what other people were saying and then like make sense of it. And Mm -hmm. so my social skills just really tanked right after that. So those were like big. milestones. Okay. So, but
0: I want to go, we need to go like we need to dig a little deeper
1: Great, <laughs> because so you tell me,
0: you know, I think when people, everyone can look back at their life, their childhood, you know, their high. you know, every little bench, you know, section of their life, you know, you can call it childhood, your junior high. I have a junior high kid and I have high school girl, you know, two girls, and they're all in these little sections of their life that will make an impact. It'll create a story. They'll create limiting beliefs within these little sections, right? It's totally,
1: yeah. And,
0: you know, as a mom, it's my, I feel it's my job to point it out and get it clear now before we get to, they leave me and they're dealing with their,
1: <laughs> all these limits stories and yeah. their
0: fear and all that. But when I hear you go through, you know, you're an atheist and you're in high school and, you know, you're not believing in anything higher than just this body that you're living in. Yeah. So you go with your friends. I, so we need to go deeper. I'm not like, yeah. let's go to the, we so, go do yeah, sure.
1: the. So again, so here was my reasoning. I was like, okay, well, God, all knowing, all powerful, all good. And, you know, there's this philosophical problem, which is well known in the philo- in philosophy world, but I didn't know it in high school. I just like put, was like putting this together. I was like, well, if, if there's something that's all knowing, all powerful and all good, like why is there evil in the world? Basically that it can't be true that there's such a thing that these things exist. And then my friends and I, we, we oh, so it was such a beautiful experience. We went out to the beach. We had a friend who lived in the private section of the beach. So we, we parked there and we ate mushrooms and we like, we like running out to the beach. My buddy Tommaso and I were like stripping off clothes, <laughs> just like, oh, you know, was, we went into the water, we're naked, Beautiful. And it was this really like, it was, it was an unusual night at the beach because the ocean was incredibly still that night. And there was like this bioluminescence, glowing blue. Like we were out there treading water, just like looking like water elementals, just glowing. Huh. In what, the dark. Where, was,
0: where are you? This is in
1: Sarasota, Sarasota, Florida. So oh, we were okay, in, the, in Florida, the Gulf of Mexico. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, and it was just like, and it was a really just beautiful, super peaceful night, not a cloud in the sky, big full moon, just beautiful. And I was having all these questions. I had never had an experience like this, but I was just asking all these questions and something about the nature of the mushrooms was like, every time I would ask a question, I would get this beautiful kind of perfect answer back. And I was laying there in the water with my, you know, my toes were just kind of gently dragging on the sand, Mm -hmm. and I was laying with just my face out of the water. My ears were below the surface and I was kind of just like floating, hovering. Really Beautiful. And I, I, you know, again, all all these beautiful questions coming through my head and then these beautiful answers. And I had this moment where I like kind of twitched, I had just like a shiver or random whatever. And my hand, it created a ripple in the water because the water was so still and that ripple washed up over my face. And I was like, just in that moment, it was like a flash of lightning. I was like, everything I do impacts everything else in the universe and can't help but come back and impact me. Right. Oh because we're all connected and that's what people are talking about when they're talking about God. That's the thing that's all knowing. Everything that's known is known by the universal oneness, all powerful because all powers belong to the universal oneness and all good. But what they don't tell you is it's also all evil or really more accurately. There's no such thing as good or evil because there's only one of us here And we aren't doing good or evil to ourselves. It's a game that we're playing for eternity. And all of that just like hit me like a lightning bolt out of the blue. Totally changed my life. That instant,
0: that instant you just knew.
1: Yeah. I just, I like, I walked back out of that ocean, a completely different person. Like I had such resistance to the word God. So like for a long time, I called it zing. I spelled it like with a lowercase Z and an upside down exclamation point. Yeah. But, um. But yeah, it just cha- really changed my life, changed my relationship to reality. And it was like a huge, big deal. Never has left me ever since then. That was and, high school. Uh, that was, I think it was like right before senior year. It was, I think it was like right at the end of senior year of high school was when that happened.
0: And did all your friends get the same moment, aha moments?
1: <laughs> no, you know, I don't No, I don't think so. I mean, Tommaso was always kind of that way, but then the other friends, they weren't with us there. And yeah, I, I don't really think that that was, it was as impactful for them. Okay. But I remember being you know like I was kind of a bully in high school i didn't i, I didn 't have like a North Star that kept me i was i just wasn 't very ethical I was, I was hanging out trying to be popular with these guys and they were bullies and so I was like a bully with them. I'm huh. really like pr- proud of those days. And I remember like, I was hanging out with, the, with them and these other two friends, Taylor and Jeremy. And I remember being in the room, the way the room worked was it was Gabe's bed was over here. And then there was like a, a love seat over on this side of me. And I was sitting in a chair in the middle and, you know, as metaphors work, I was like right in the middle of this, right. of these two. And so all these friends who were the bullies, they were funny, but they're, they're all, their joking. Everything was always like at someone's expense. You know what I mean? It was always like joking about someone. Right. And then these two over here, to this day, Taylor is the funniest person I've ever met in my entire life. And That's counting actors. Like he, he reminds me a lot of Zach Galifianakis. Actually, whenever I watch a Zach Galifianakis movie, I'm like, oh, that it so much reminds me of him. (laughs) But he, he was just so hilarious. And these two, they were the so. I mean, ten times as funny as these guys. And the thing was, their jokes were never about anyone. It was always just some weird way of looking at the world. You know what I mean? Uh huh. And I just remember having this moment and looking back and forth between these two guys and being like, I don't want to be like them anymore. I I don't want to play in that way. I want to play with these guys. And that was just like one of the instances of life-changing experiences that happened from this thing. But that was like one of my, my most powerful memories, experiences
0: there are so many milk alternatives these days when i go to get coffee i am amazed at the choices that i have i also make smoothies for my girls and richard every morning so our choice of a milk alternative is on the top of our shopping list once we discovered Willa's kitchen oat milk our coffee and smoothies took on a whole new meaning and taste Willa's oat milk is made with the entire oat which gives it a rich smooth taste and maintains all the oats protein and prebiotic fiber and makes Willa's a zero food waste. The biggest shocker I found when doing my deep dive on Willa's oat milk was that regular oat milk is made with the oat sugar and the best parts of the oat are filtered out. That results in an oat milk with a super sweet taste without all of the benefits of the oats. The cool thing about their story is Willis was founded by two sisters who were tired of plant-based milks that were mostly artificially highly processed ingredients and loads of sugar rather than actual plants. It is their Grandma Willa's recipe that used real organic ingredients to create a deliciously smooth oat milk that they wanted to bring to the world. As they started their entrepreneurial journey, they kept learning more and more about the way plant-based milks are normally made. Heavy processing, loads of food waste, and lots of funny business including ingredients like rapeseed oil and canola oil that they didn't want to be drinking or feeding their kids every day. And it's not just a healthier, more sustainable oat milk. It's super tasty. That's why Willis has been highlighted in Bon Appetit not just once, but three times. Find Willis oat milk at williskitchen.com. That's W-I-L-L-A-S-K-I-T-C-H-E-N. And use the promo code MAGIC to get 20% off and support this show. That promo code again is MAGIC to get 20% off. So we go on, you know, you're on this new trajectory. You've realized that there's, it's a oneness. We're all, there's no separation. Mm -hmm. We all are from the same source and we're all just, in these little bodies doing what we signed up for, yeah. not really knowing with a veil over our faces, like leading the blind, right? <laughs> yeah, <know>?
1: totally. <laughs> the way I, I, I've conceived of it is like it's almost like a hide-and-seek game. Like we it's this perpetual cycle of forgetting and remembering. So like we we remember, we have these moments of insights, and then we go and we forget and we we remember, and that's because I love the word remember. It means to like add back to the body. Like dismember is to take away from the body and to remember is to add back to the body. Right. So like we have this moment of remembering that's birth where we actually member ourselves. Then we have, we like have, you know, a body.
0: Right. And then we
1: go and we die and that's the, the forgetting, the dismembering,
0: dismembering. Yeah, okay. part. That's cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so then, like we just exist in the, in the cycle of that tide, you know, the ocean is like that, the coming in and then going out the waves, each crest of the wave comes and, it is, we can call it a wave and we can talk about it in one sense, but in another sense, it's just the ocean. It's not actually distinct from everything else. And I think that's a really good metaphor for what's right. happening with you and I. And so in this model, like I actually believe that you and I, there's only one of us here and we're right. having a conversation with ourselves in order to remember because the experience of remembering is really beautiful. And we really like that experience. Mm-hmm. And then we will forget (laughs) and and we forget. And that's beautiful too, because if we didn't forget, then we wouldn't get to have the experience of remembering. And we really like the experience of remembering, you know? Oh yeah. I love that. Good. You're so good at metaphors too, by the way, you (laughs) have, I mean, I've been
0: listening to all your things and it's like, oh, that's so Ben, you know, just listening. (laughs) There's another benchmark coming up. So when you go to college, Mm -hmm. go to there because you, yeah. This is
1: well, a big one. Yeah. yeah. So then I had this other, then I had this other, this was also on drugs, incidentally. <laughs> Although I was really ashamed of it for a long time. So I wouldn't tell people about that for a really long time because I hate the reputation sometimes that drugs have. Because again, but I drugs think drugs like,
0: meaning mushrooms? It's just the- No, this,
1: this time was acid. So oh, okay. and it was, my, fir- and it was my, my first time with acid. It was also the, the tailor from the last story was in this story as well. So we went to college and he wasn't going to the college, but he moved up there with Jeremy, who was going to the college- And so they were both there at this experience as well. And this one, I don't know, we had, it's such a strange experience because we, basically I wound up taking more than I would have if I had known, but everything happens exactly the way that it's supposed to happen. You know what I mean? Right. But anyway, so I wound up taking a lot and then. I was having this experience where everything was metaphors. You say like I, I'm, good, I'm good with metaphors, but I, right. I really think in terms of metaphors, like that's like how my I process the world. And I really think in some ways that I'm living like I'm the main character of a book. And so all of the symbols and motifs that exist in my life, they're just like, that's me playing out this narrative, you know? Right. And so I was looking at, I was looking around the world and I was really paranoid because I was on, I was on probation. We we skipped a, we skipped a step, but there was, I was on probation at the time because I'd gotten into trouble at the end of high school. And then I basically, I I was really paranoid. So I was having this experience where I kept like seeing like police lights flashing behind me and and I was, and for me, this whole experience was really about these two forces that I was talking about. There's like the attention force and the distraction force or the remembering and the forgetting that that's the that, right. that idea there's like a single pointed focus. And then there's the, the thing that it's only job is to try to take us away. So again, like we've got this, this eternal being God, whatever you want to call it, this oneness, and it's playing a game with itself forever right? To to take up eternity, essentially. And so the point of the game is that we have one force that like draws things together and one force that just like takes things apart. And there's neither good or bad, right? They've been called those things in the past, but it's just like to prolong the game. And so I'm like, here I am like trying to work on the side of the attention force and like, I just keep being distracted and these lights are flashing and I'm keeping distracted and I was seeing symbols in everything. And so I was like, well, what am I, like I'm afraid. I'm afraid right now. I'm afraid. So I just like need to face my fear and get over it. Like I just need to get over my fear. And so I was like, Well, what am I afraid of? Well, I guess I'm afraid that I'm going to go to jail or something. That I'm going to throw my life down the down the drain. Oh my you know? gosh. And then I was like, Okay, fine. I'll face that fear. I'll throw my life down the drain because everything was in symbols. I went into the bathroom and I like tried to get down the drain. The bathroom drain oh did not work. <laughs> I was not able to do that. Couldn't fit. Yeah. I couldn't fit it. It didn't work. So anyway, I was like getting heated. I was really passionate. All these things were happening. And so like, I go to the front door, we're on the second story of this apartment complex. And I throw open the front door and I was like, fuck this. I'm going to jail. And my buddy Taylor, he was like, Hey man. And I was like, what? And he's like, just don't kill yourself. And I was like, that's the fear at the bottom of every other fear is death. Like that's the real ultimate fear of what's happening. And I was like, fuck that. I'm doing it. And I turned and I was. Oh,
0: my gosh.
1: Uh, ironically, I was wearing my Superman shirt. <laughs> oh <God. laughs> At the time. Oh, my gosh. And I, uh, I jumped off this, this second story balcony. Can you still, up.
0: are you still there? Can you still put yourself in that body? Like
1: oh, your mind yes. where you so, said, I'm
0: going to go do this. Even though you're so on an acid trip.
1: I can get to it now. For like six months afterwards, I was not able to access like any of this really. This this wasn't like part of my reality. But then the memories started to come back later. Mm. At this point, I like I have this one memory of just going for it. Like I was head down, you know, just like going for the ground.
0: Oh, my gosh. Superman
1: style. Yeah. So I got off really easy because I woke up in the hospital while that I don't even know it would have been so horrible of it well whatever experiences are experiences <laughs> we're here for whatever yeah no bad or good yeah all right good. exactly so <laughs> they're all perfect yeah so anyway I wake up in the hospital my mom who lived like five hours away at the time was there at the bedside table when I woke up oh wow so I was out I was in a coma for a little while and then the doctors were telling me you know, that I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't walk again for months and that I would never be myself again. Cause I'd had a massive brain injury. And I was like, wait, you know, I was a 19 year old boy. and like, you don't tell me. Cause I've been, cause I had been studying Deepak Chopra for a long time. And I was like, Oh, really? really? Oh, yeah, cool. I, was, I was really into, um, into huh. like healing the body. I had a golf teacher. There's all these little vignettes, but I had a golf teacher who I was on scholarship. We didn't have the money for a golf teacher, but living in Sarasota, Florida, uh, golf was just like, I loved it so much. So I was on the golf team in high school. And then I had this golf teacher who scholarshiped me, but one of the conditions of the scholarship was that I had to listen to Deepak Chopra every night as I was falling oh asleep. Oh my gosh. And then when I would come to the lessons, he would be like, all right, so what have you learned from the good Dr. Deepak this week? And I had to like recap basically. That's
0: amazing. What an amazing experience. Brilliant.
1: Wow. Gr- Raymond, He was such a, wow. such a great dude. But anyway, so I, you know, the doctors told me all that. And I was like, there's no way I'm, you don't know me. I'll show you. And so like, I was, I went to work on it and I was like up and about in six weeks. And, you know, after about two months, I considered myself to have made a full recovery. I wasn't like, I was still getting headaches sometimes, but I was like able to, you know, do all the normal things and I was ready to go back to school.
0: But you know, what's cool before you go is that golf teacher, you guys had this sole contract. That you're like, okay, you're going to come into my life at 19. Yeah. You're going to put Deepak in my in my head. Totally. So then when I have this accident, I'm going to realize that all healing is coming from a mental, from my mind.
1: Exactly. Oh, I yeah. love it. Yeah, it was I great. I love
0: looking at breadcrumbs. <laughs> I
1: know. There are so many breadcrumbs. It's like so funny because it's like, it's hard to in hindsight, you can kind of like organize them and put them in into place. But at the time you never know what's happening. That's why I'm like, that's why I'm like, who knows? Good, bad. Like who knows? There's, you know, it's it's
0: all good. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. Or it's all bad. And you can, you can have whatever perspective you want. That's the whole point. Like you, you get to do it however you want to. Yeah. So anyway, I'm like up and about. And then I was at dinner. This was like maybe six months after the accident. My grandma's like, you know, kind of like how you've been since the accident. And I was like, what do you mean? How I've been since the accident, I made a full recovery. And she was like, no, you stutter and you have a hard time understanding what other people are saying. And you, you know, you have these long pauses in your conversation. You don't know this. And I, it was like, I got hit by a bus because I had no idea that these things were happening. I thought, I really thought I had made a full recovery. Hmm. And then I have this woman who I trust, you know, my, my whole life. And right. she's telling me that I'm not, I've, I've radically changed and I got super depressed. I got really, I got anxious because I now I'm like, uh, it's like that feeling of having spinach in your teeth and you find out that you have spinach in your teeth. And you're like, oh my God, how long have I, how long have I had spinach in my my teeth, you know, right? but it's like, oh, funny. I can't even see it in a mirror. There's no, there was no way for me to know that these things were happening. Cause it was literally the thing that you would use to evaluate whether or not you were having errors is the thing that's having an error. Right. Right. My brain. And so anyway, I got like really depressed for a long time because I was kind of hopeless and I, cause I thought I was broken my brain was broken. I really thought I had made a full recovery, but since I didn't know that I hadn't, then I. Basically just got really depressed and isolated. It was interesting because only that part of my brain was damaged. So my, my grades were still really good. I took up Kung Fu at this time. I had been a dancer in high school and then I just like didn't have any athletics in my life. So I took up Kung Fu, got really dedicated to it. I was progressing really rapidly in Kung Fu, loving that. But then I just like didn't have a social life at all. And socializing had always been very important to me. So I was like really depressed about it hmm. all. And I, I contemplated suicide at that time because I just like, I really didn't see there being a way out. And then had a friend come into my life. He recommended this book to me, The Game, Penetrating the Secret Society of Pickup Artists. And I was like, <laughs> no, I'm not going to read that. <laughs> He's like, dude, you should read it. And I was like, no, I'd rather die alone than manipulate <laughs> women into sleeping with me. I'm not interested in it. Thank you very much. And he was like, it's not like that. And I was like, well, then they should name it differently. (laughs) Anyway, this went on for like six months. We were roommates. And finally, one day I was going camping and I was looking for a book to bring with me camping. And he was like, dude, listen, I know you don't want to read this book, but what if you read it just so that you could argue with me about it? And I was like, oh, I see what you did there. (laughs) All right. All right. (laughs) And so I read the book. It wasn't what it sounds like. It really was about this guy who just, he'd not had any success in romance. He had had a really solid career. He was a writer for um, the Rolling Stones magazine. He just like, he was a successful dude, but he just like couldn't figure out romance in his life. And so he went on a journey to solve the problem. But what my big takeaway from the book was that social skills are just that, they're skills. And you can develop skills. Even if you've lost skills, you can redevelop skills. And so I was like, well, I was going to kill myself anyway. I might as well give it my all, you know what I mean? And so I just like, I set out with a, with a will to learn these skills. And I was you know, so I was reading everything I could get my hands on. I was attending seminars and I was like, you know, I had this, this one series that I like listened to probably, I don't know, two dozen times called the mastery series by David D'Angelo. Beautiful, very awesome thing. Not
0: just relationships, but just seminars, like personal development.
1: Yeah, well, so, cause, so that's the thing. There's a light side of the force and a dark side of the force here, okay? So the dark side of the force is like actually the thing that I thought the book was about originally, which is like manipulating people into doing things. Really gross stuff, okay? And that <laughs> exists, and it exists in the right. sales world too, right? There are like sales tactics, because we're talking about the same thing, right? There are like sales right. tactics that are like really hard sales tactics where you like pressure people into things. And then there are sales tactics that are really about just really providing a service to the world, Mm-hmm. And then helping people to see that that is that what they want is connected to the service that you have in the world, right? right? So light side and dark side, same thing. There's a dark side that is like manipulating people. There's a light side that is just like it, Well, if you want to be attractive to the opposite sex, hey, guess what? Be the best version of yourself set out to be the highest and best version that you can possibly be, because then you're naturally going to be more attractive to other people. You'll naturally have an, work on your communication skills so that you can communicate with people, Work on your social dynamics so that you understand like where like tensions arise and that you can resolve those tensions because then you will be a partner worthy of having, you'll become the kind of person that people would want to be naturally be attracted to. So that was what I was doing. I was like following that. Like that's so when you say personal development, it's like, yeah, I was like busy becoming the best version of myself.
0: Like on a mission. You just were like, I need to yeah. figure this out.
1: Yeah, Totally. And I had this crippling social anxiety. So that was like one of the obstacles that I was like, I've got to figure this out. Somehow I have to figure this social anxiety thing out because I'll never be able to talk to people if I can't go talk to people. So I remember like standing at the bottom of the down escalator. Yeah, I, I love got, this
0: story. I, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> And I was like, I literally asked every single woman out for coffee. I was trying to get to a hundred no's. That was the objective was not to get a coffee date, but it was to get to a hundred (laughs) no's so that I could like prove to myself that I would be okay if I got a hundred no's. And it was like a miserable experience for like the first 15, 20 then it started to like not be so miserable. And then actually by like 60, 70, it actually started to be kind of fun. Like it was like, you know, you want to get a coffee? No. Uh, how about you? Uh, you you want to go get like two, two from the, the <laughs> So you like
0: doing using a clicker? Like there's one. Uh, yeah. There's two, there's I, I was things. just, I was just, I was
1: just counting them on my I had, um <laughs> I, I have uh, beads. I've always been really into these. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Cause I was also, you know, I was, Deepak also really got me into like spiritual practices and things like that. And so uh-huh. when I was in college, I found the Hare Krishnas. And I loved it. They like fed people, the Hare Krishna's whole model for religion is to like, basically give people food for free and then have conversations with them about God and then have a dance party to God. (laughs) And like, that is to me is awesome. So I would, I would count things on these beads, mantras and affirmations or anything that I want to do raps on. I'm going to use beads for
0: so, you're holding the beads at the bottom of the escalator. In my pocket, you know, okay. like go through. Yeah. <laughs> you're not like, what? <laughs> oh my gosh, no. you're so yeah. cute. Okay.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so that really helped because at the end of the no one said yes. Well, one person gave me a fake number. <laughs> oh. Nobody said yes, but it's okay. That wasn't the point, it was not to get yeses. It was to develop the skill, that resilience. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, now I could do it and I would be able to get yeses for sure, <laughs> but you would oh, Why? Yeah, oh, totally well, because now I really, I really understand social dynamics really well. I know how to talk to strangers. Like I really, cause that's what I spent a decade of my life just with it on the front burner was like, how do you talk to strangers and get them interested in you right away? And then de- build the foundation for developing a relationship with somebody. And so I can mm-hmm. do that like my, my wife, she teases me. She, we, I, my, my tongue in cheek title in our company is called the chief schmoozing officer. Cause I <laughs> will go to a party or whatever. And I just like, I'll go around and I'll talk to everybody. I'll make friends with like, er, the whole party. Everybody right. is, is there. Right. But it's authentic.
0: Um, That's what I love about oh, Yeah. You. Cause oh, it's totally. not, it's totally authentic. And, you know, even having a podcast, I've had people, you know, I, it's like watching me, grow and kind of get confidence, you know, and get yeah. past those a hundred episodes exactly. of the escalator people. Yeah. But you know, it's like when you get to be that, when I get someone on before I push record for an example, yeah, I can see a wall first you know, sometimes mm-hmm. I'm just, they don't know you. It's a brand yeah. new experience. We're going to have an hour conversation. Who's mm-hmm. this lady? What mm-hmm. is she going to t- ask me? And I just, I think the most fun about my podcast is before I hit record, because I'm like, this is just going to be fun. I'm here. It's like, it's real. <laughs> I don't care what we talk about. I don't have questions, but then I can see this whole shift in energy, you know? Yeah. And I just, yeah. I like, I love it. I, I love doing that. I love, that's why I love this podcast because I love to like get down to the person who really is there and like bring that person out.
1: Totally. And you yeah. do that
0: so good. Okay. Continue. Yeah, thanks.
1: <laughs> well, I just, I, I think that's like a really, I think that's what we're here for. So like, you know, my podcast is called the shift to freedom podcast, but that when I say freedom, what I mean is like the freedom to be you. Like Mm -hmm. how, whatever that looks like in the world, like to be radically authentically yourself in every situation all the time. Cause that's what I think we really want. That's like when people talk about financial freedom, that's all they really are talking about is like, I want to be able to live the life that is like exactly the life that I want to live. When people are talking about like time freedom, it's the same thing. Like I want to wake up and spend my days like doing the things that I most want to do in the world. Right. And so I think what is like time? That, what is time to you?
0: I'm gonna take time? down a different yeah. What's yeah. your definition of time?
1: It's so interesting because time is something that's really confusing because you know, I really believe in eternity. So in one sense, just like the remember we were talking about the ocean, the waves, that mm-hmm. in one sense you can talk about like that is a wave. I see it, it's a wave. And in the other sense, it's like, well, yeah, but where do you really draw the line between that wave and the wave right before it? And like, is there really a distinction. And so that's kind of the thing is like, there's time. And yeah. And in one sense, like I have this wave that I am, that I'm, it's, it has arisen and it will fade away. And so in a sense, there's like a timeline for this entity, which is just, again, an arbitrary demarcation of existence. (laughs) And so in the sense, there's a timeline, but in another sense, time is more like a circle, yeah. At least that's the way that I can conceive of it is it being a perpetual like circle, a ring. That's like the clue that's in the chicken or the egg thing is like there's no beginning or ending. That's right. the whole thing. Mm-hmm.
0: But can you, you know, at the be a few couple of years ago, before I started this podcast, I've always been a seeker like you. I've read everything uh, up until the podcast came out. Then I'd start going down that hole. And now I'm so grateful that I have this. But when you realize like time, you go from you wake up and you go do here, you know, you're in this human body and you know, you have the yeah. clock and everything's by yeah. the time. And and then you start to evolve and you're learning and you're like, it's a it's a sphere. It's like everything's happening right now. Everything exactly. my past, one moment, my future and the present moment. Everything yeah. is right now. So to wrap yeah. my head around that is getting better.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but,
0: you know, it's like that's why I always love to ask that question because I love listening because maybe I'll learn something from you that will help me learn
1: it better <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> or understand well, it better. Well, I don't know if you ever read I think gosh, I, I hope that I'm getting the name of the book right. It's Slaughterhouse 5. I think I'm just I think I'm associating the right book, but there there's this alien race in Slaughterhouse 5 called the Tralfamedorians. They see in four dimensions. So like we see in three dimensions, but they also see time. And so they like, you know, Ker tries to explain Oh. How they how they see things in this four dimension, almost like there's like these worms that exist. Like you know, like if you could see me, because you know physicists call it time space, space time, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's because all time really is is like a measurement of movement of space of of right. objects in space, right? And like some way of relating things to each other. And mm-hmm. so if you could see in fourth dimensions, like imagining your entire you know timeline as a series of like snippets I guess like it's such an interesting or almost like as a worm you know because there wouldn't be like segments the way that I can even conceive of it right Uh, right right
0: have you done past life regressions before
1: No, I've never done, never had that experience. I actually, I just met this hypnotherapist because I've hypnotized myself from the good Dr. Deepak. He has like lessons for that, but Uh I've never actually been hypnotized. And I'd really like to have that experience.
0: I did a past life. I've done a couple. At first you realize, is this really true? Or am I making it up in my head, (laughs) Mm -hmm. right? And then you realize, and then I do it again. I go, wow, it is, I get it. It's so cool to that's where I probably understood I'm understanding the concept of time more when I do that. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I don't know. It's just so, you know, when you think of the future, I had somebody that could teleport and they came back with sand in their toes and a wet bathing suit and they went to Jamaica Nice (laughs) on the couch. (laughs) I'm like, what? (laughs) So it's there. It's almost like, you know, these people that I'm interviewing that are channels or, you know, that have real, have figured out how to get to that vibration to connect,
1: Yeah, you know, Mm -hmm.
0: it's like connecting to that. And, you know, I feel like our, you know, where we're at in our life right now is we're ascending to that fourth, you know, like we're, it's Mm -hmm. like this shift is huge. I mean, don't you agree?
1: Yeah. Well, I sure hope that we make it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean, I guess I don't, I don't really have a story about it one way or the other, but but yeah, the ever-present nature of it, I think, is something that's a really interesting, like that these like quote unquote timelines that they're really just alternate space lines, you know. Mm-hmm. There's a really cool short video called The Egg. Have you ever seen it by uh-uh. um, a YouTube producer? I think it's called it pronounced Kurzisact, but really cool little vignette. But it just talks about kind of what if all of existence were an egg it were inside an egg <laughs> waiting to hatch. Okay. And this and each life, all of the lives, by the way, are the one entity that's inside the egg having all of the experiences to be ready to crack out of the egg.
0: Right. Huh.
1: How, how do you
0: look at like if you were gonna say to me, like, Ashley, this is how I view Um, life? Like I come here in this body. Where was I before? Where am I going next? How do you describe that?
1: Yeah. So for me, it would be like, so I, all of those like lives, quote unquote, for me, there's only one of us here. And so it's not like I have all of these lives, right? For me, it's like literally all of the lives are, there's only one being in existence, looking out, Right. And whether that be me or you or this table or this phone, there there's only like the sum total of all matter and energy in the world. And even those, that's just two ways of looking at the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. The field and the players. The game. And so for me, I, the way that I think of reality and existence is just, it's like, it's this game that we play and we, we put obstacles in our way so that the game takes as long as it possibly can. And um, do you
0: feel like you, before you came into this body, p- made the plan, like had the figured out, like, well, I'm going to pick that for my mom. And we all decided this. I'm going to pick Paige for my wife. She, was she your husband and a brother in another life? I mean, do you go that way?
1: Yeah, Maybe I I sometimes wonder, but see, but I don't, but again, like I think of it more like a dream where you can create anything that you want to in your dream. So rather than like, I don't necessarily think of it as like some predetermined thing that I came into this body ready for to have these experiences in a life, but more like what experiences am I most wanting to experience based on the flavors of this? You know, like the, when I say flavors, I mean like, um, you know, everybody kind of has their own tastes that they, that they like. Right. Uh And I use that as a metaphor, but yeah, yeah. Our personality totally. So it's like, you know, you know, I beer, for instance, I didn't start liking beer. I like beer now, but it was only through like a, a cultivated effort of experience of beer. But even the journey to liking beer came because like, I had something that I wanted to experience in the world I like, I wanted to be a beer liker for some reason so that I would <laughs> show up that way. You know what I mean? Right. And, and so for me, it's like what it means to be this, this entity versus like your entity is like, just like everybody has their own flavor profiles that they like, mm-hmm. right? Like everybody also has their own experience profiles that they like. And based on like the the matter that we have, we have like the flavor profiles that we want. And so we we're on a journey to like experience as many of those, those particular kinds of enjoyable things. You know, like my wife loves putting together puzzles for me. I, my eyes start bleeding. I'm like, I don't even, why, <laughs> why would right. I do that? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's not in the puzzle, whether or not there's enjoyment, right? Cause for some people it is. And for right. some people it's not right. And so I think, I think of the journey as being like a creation from our essence in this like configuration, right? Like mm-hmm. what it means to be me is to be shaped like this. And that means also that I have like certain experiences that I'll want and certain experiences that I won't want. And that being an authentic being, playing the authentic game is to have more of those experiences that I want, because that's just what it means to be me, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: I love yeah. that. So right now, Ben Easter, he used to used to be in a, a relationship. You've had eight businesses up until eight this businesses. point.
1: Yeah. 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 So
0: that's the thing that People knew that you didn't have to sit at a job for 40 years and collect retirement and then think, okay, now I'm retired and then in a few years I'm going to die, like, you know, yeah. but I love it. What you do is you add, if this isn't going to, this not filling me up right now, I feel like something else is coming. I love something. So I have a new interest. I'm gonna go there and see where I can find joy. You know, it's all we always talk about. Just find joy, find ha- be happy. When you find that, that's when you are living your passion or your dream. But that's what you are, you remind me of. That like just doing it. Like you could have another twenty businesses before you die. Like I can just see it totally. keep evolving.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because well, and then because fear, doubt, and uncertainty gets in the way of so many of those like desires. I hear a lot of people say in the coaching world like I just don't know what I want. I don't not buy that. I just don't buy it. I think we all know what we want, but it's scary sometimes to acknowledge that we know what we want because well if we acknowledge it then well we know that there's a path to walk. Right. And then that might move. be full of <laughs> and that might be full of scary things. So sometimes it's easier to just say like I don't know than to like acknowledge to ourselves that we do. And so, you know, like that cuz going back to that acid experience, you know there there was this like, there's something to that idea of me, like, facing the ultimate fear of death. I think there really is something to be said for that. And being willing to, like, face fears, knowing that the worst case scenario is just that you die. And, hey, guess what? You are already going to die. It right. was already going to happen. You were guaranteed the quote-unquote worst case scenario, so we might as well play. You know what right. I mean? Exactly. And you can hear that too in the part of the story where I was like going to kill myself, right? And I was like, well, the thinking that I was having in my head, I was like, well, if I'm going to kill myself anyway, I might as well go out and try my damnedest Mm -hmm. first before I kill myself, right? That's it. Like how do we know, we all of us know that we're not going to, no one gets out alive, right? What do we do with the game in the meantime? You know what I mean? What do we do when we play full out?
0: That's why you're so successful at what you do is because of all the, I mean, like we said, when you met the golf teacher, you know, mm-hmm. with the Deepak, you, you can have a look at, at the higher perspective of your life, you know, from like the, a drone and you're looking at, you know, cause it's all happening now.
1: Yeah. Totally. <laughs> so,
0: you know, there's no past or present or no past or future. So when you're looking at Ben Easter experience life right now, and this at this moment, you can put the piece of the puzzle pieces together for Paige, And yeah. so she could understand it and <laughs> totally. understand why all these things happen to get you to where you are now. Because I just know that life, when we get to this age, it's all about giving, giving our knowledge of what we've learned in the past. All I care about is being a mom and teaching my kids and now teaching my, you know, through my classes is it's not even about the money. Like, I just wanted that. I have such a drive, but that's what you do because you've had those experiences that you can teach. And if you hadn't done that, like, what are you just going to sit here and like, Oh, I, yeah, I wanted to die one day. And that's the part, but you you put flame under people and you, you explain it because you've had this, you have a story, and so mm-hmm. they, you can relate and they can relate to you. Mm-hmm. So if I was, so who's coming to Ben to get coached? What are these people? Are they trying to start businesses or what? Um, find usually, a new career?
1: Usually, usually they, they have businesses. In the vast majority of cases, they, well, I'm going to say at this point, they all have businesses already. And they're usually early stage, not always, but typically service-based. I'd say like 80, 20 service-based businesses. And they're like they're usually dealing with some of the following kind of challenges. Like people talk about perfectionism or like imposter syndrome or fear of failure or fear of rejection, overwhelm, like people pleasing and like difficulty setting boundaries. Like these, these things that they show up again and again and again and again in people's realities. And so one way of looking at what I do is I really, I help people believe in themselves, like in their ability to overcome literally any challenge, any obstacle that is possibly in their way. First, I believe in them as powerfully as I cause I I can see it. I don't doubt it. There's no doubt in my mind. Right. That if you do, if you like, there's no magic, there's no mystery. Like, you know, I mean, yeah, there's magic, cause it's all magical. But not like, it's not like magical in some sense that you like need to find some spell. And if you get the spell right, you know, you can do it. And if you don't, you you can't, you know what I mean? It's like, it's more like when I look at Mount Rainier out my window and it's more like if I want to get to Mount Rainier, all I got to do is look in the direction and start moving my feet. And if I'm willing to navigate every obstacle that gets in the way between here and there, I'll get there right? And sometimes I might have to go backwards a little bit to build a bridge or build a boat or something to get across the river. But if I'm willing to do that and then go back and keep, keep like, this is like, I talk about radical commitment, but the idea behind commitment isn't about staying on the course. Commitment is about agreeing to return to the course over Mm -hmm. and over and over again. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yes. That's great. And Yeah. And I just think that that's like a really, it's not magic, but it's kind of like magic. If you do this in any direction, you'll get there. There's no like, you know, and people are like, well, there are things that are impossible. And it's like, well, are there though? Like, how do you know what things are impossible? You won't know until in hindsight. So how
0: do you get those people? Because when I get these people and they're like, you know, all the self-doubt or unworthiness, I'm not enough, the sabotage, all that. And these limiting beliefs. And I love working with limiting beliefs. I love proving them wrong and, you know, but they're so ingrained in their mind. And when they are going down this path that you're talking about to get to Mount Rainier yeah. and they're walking and they have all these fear-based thoughts and you know, that have played in their life, their whole life. They just, that's all mm-hmm. they know. This loop that keeps playing and will tr- make them turn around or take the Y in the road and maybe one day figure out they can come back. But, cause I think you're, you love getting, helping people with their limiting beliefs.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: What do you do with that?
1: So we have conversations and I like play. I'm like, I use, I use a lot of metaphor. Like I, I just did with the Mount Rainier thing, right? Like I I use a lot of metaphor because I think metaphor helps to suspend disbelief Mm -hmm. because when we're hearing about a story or about a tree and the way that the tree grows and we're describing it, like we're not doubting anything about it. We're just looking at things a different way. And so a lot of times we'll, you know, I have conversations with people and I get, I get curious and sometimes like, honestly, the thing about fear is a lot of times it's like, it's like the boogeyman. It's, it hangs out in the dark and in the closet and it only works because it's like hidden from our view, you know, like we're unwilling to look over there. And so sometimes if we just like shine a flashlight over there and we're like, Hey, it's like, really though, what are you worried about? Like, what's the worst that could happen here? Mm -hmm. Right. And they're like, well, something bad. And it's like, cool. And then what? and sometimes most people like they haven't actually asked themselves like that. And then what question, mm-hmm. because, and I, I, call this the Disney effect because we have, you know, Disney always has like the happily ever after at the end of the, at oh, the, end right. of the movie, which is total bullshit, by the way, <laughs> anybody who's ever been in a relationship <laughs> that's lasted for any amount of time knows that there's no happily ever after. Right. There's like, you go home and then you f- fight and then you make up and you have sex and you like eat dinner together and you have conversations and then you fight again and you like, you know, whatever. It's like, that's the nature of reality is that we have ups and downs, right? There's no ever after of anything, but the game that people play, this fear game that we play is like this, like awfully ever after, I call it like, Mm -hmm. well, that would happen. And then it'd be awful ever after. And it's like, well, no, that's not how anything works. Change is inevitable. And it's an inherent part of reality. There is no ever after. So if we if we play the game and we actually look at like what's the worst that could happen, a lot of times the fears will melt away just from taking a flashlight to them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then other times they're like a little bit deeper rooted. And sometimes we have like a problem believing in ourselves and it can show up in so many different ways. Like perfectionism is actually like rooted in some kind of insecurity or, uh, or like feelings of unworthiness. Right. And so sometimes we have to explore what that unworthiness, like what is their personal recipe for worthiness and see if we can fit themselves into that recipe for worthiness. Right. Cause we have all these like concepts and we, you know, we put together the world. I, I like, I think of it like a, a basket, like we're all gathering all of our words together as we like, we're born, you're given a basket. And then like as you're picking up concepts in the world, you're like, Oh, well, that's an apple. Like, Oh, that's a, that's <laughs> what love means. Like, Oh, that, you know, like, and it, it'll evolve over time. But sometimes, you know, when you're seven, you're not the best judge of anything really. Cause you don't have a context. You're developing your context. You know what I mean? And so sometimes like just creating a new context and thinking about things in a different way and updating the operating system. Cause you know, like, like for a seven-year-old don't talk to strangers I'm not going to say it's good advice, but it's not bad advice. The, In other words, the risks of talking to strangers might outweigh the benefits that you could get. And it's complicated to know the difference of when it would be beneficial and when it wouldn't. So maybe it's useful to tell a seven-year-old not to talk to strangers. Maybe, Okay. But for a 37-year-old business owner, that is really bad advice. (laughs) Like don't talk to strangers is horrible advice for me because if I don't talk to strangers, I don't get to do any of these things that I love that only they're like gated behind talking to strangers, right? And so if I don't change my relationship to the concept that I was taught stranger danger when I was seven, if I don't change my relationship to that as an adult, there's a whole lot of possibilities that are cut off for me because I don't have access to the things that are behind talking to strangers, you know? So sometimes it's just about like looking at our beliefs and really like understanding what is going on in there, not like necessarily where they came from. I'm not so interested in that. I'm more interested in like what would you have to believe in order to to take these actions yes. over here?
0: Like who would that person become? Who? Yeah, yeah I always love that. Talk about a, that. Yeah, yeah. I just love you know. It's like if you want. I always talk about, I mean, just as a mom with these, with my daughters, like they want something, go become it now. Be that person. What would that person talk like? What would that person eat? What would that person, Uh, you know, who would that person's friends be?
1: You know? Exactly. Ask all those questions. Any question you can think of about that person and then answer them and imagine that.
0: As many of you know, who follow me on social media or know me personally, You know, I am a dog lover and have had two Golden Retrievers most of my adult life. Today, I have two Golden Retrievers, a seven-year-old Harley and Hercules, who is two. We all know how short our doggies' lives are, and losing one feels like almost losing a child. Well, that's if you treat them like they are your kids, which I do, and why I try to feed my dogs the healthiest food on the planet to assure them a long, life as possible with no regrets on my end because I feed them the best quality of food, which is why I feed my dogs Sundays for dogs. Every dog deserves tasty, healthy, real food, not kibble. Sundays is real food for dogs formulated by a vet with only the highest quality fresh meat, veggies, fruit, and superfoods. Then air dried to perfection. Made in the USA at a USDA human food facility. Some of the benefits are more energy, which is so evident in Harley, who is almost eight. And after eating Sundays for dogs, he can't wait for our five mile run every morning, and he doesn't even hold me back. Their coat is softer. I don't have to worry about their weight, and they are so excited to eat. And that is an understatement. So if you want to see your dogs live a long and healthy life and love their food and know in your heart, it's real raw, whole food ingredients, then click on the link in the show notes and receive 35% off with your first order. When you use the promo code magic or go to sundaysfordogs.com forward slash magic and get your offer there. I know all of my dog lovers will jump on this offer. So don't you wait. Well, see, we get to the hour already and I can't believe it. I'm <laughs> like, shoot. But when you talk about visualization, because I'm very much like that. But you talk yeah. about, you said a cool way, because I'm about the reticular activating system too. Oh yeah, Love We it. play those games in the car all the time. We play like, just to show them like it's all there, whatever yeah, you yeah. want, pick it out. It's- They're going to have ten of them right in a row. Yeah, Um, exactly. But talk about your explanation of how important visualization is and then attach it to the reticular activating system. And then we'll kind of close up.
1: Cool. Yeah. Well, so I think visualization is probably one of the most important things because like going back to the commitment, like in order to get to commitment, we have to believe that it's possible for us. And so finding some way to believe that it's possible, not just like in some esoteric way, like, oh yeah, everything's possible, but like believing that you can, it's possible for you to do, like there's some series of steps that you could take and just literally just imagining that, asking yourself the question, well, cool. What would I, you know, what would I, what kind of, I love that question. What kind of person would I be if I were already there? If I were already able to do this thing in the world, what would I be like? And getting really clear on that. And then it's like, cool. Well, you, if you need to be stronger, well, there's a path to get stronger. You know, if you need to be stronger in whatever these skills are great, there's a path to walk all of those. And so like really finding that path and seeing yourself walking the path, is so freaking important. (laughs) And Yeah, like not to be overstated. So, like I, I use the beads a lot, and I call them affirmations. Uh-huh. But I use affirmations with clients in a very particular way. Like you pick an affirmation, one, make, no more than three, and then you work them one bead at a time. And you, you're, yes, you're saying the words, but what you're really doing is you're visualizing yourself as the person who has those qualities, mm-hmm. right? I'm a powerful and effective coach. My calendar is filling up with paying clients. Cool. All right, well that's words, but now what does it mean for me to actually see that in my reality? I'm a powerful and effective coach and my calendar's filling up with paying clients. Well, I'd be getting feedback from my clients telling me like how grateful they are, right? Like I'd be noticing that, they'd be telling me, "Cool, I'm a powerful and effective coach." Oh, I'd be having these like moments where clients are having serious insights in calls. Like I I'd, I'd be seeing that for sure I'm a powerful and effective coach, and my calendar's filling up with paying clients. Well, oh, I'd notice my calendar just being full. Like I'd be trying to find spots, right? And so like I'm playing this game with myself where I'm like imagining the world as it is in that alternate reality where it's already done that way, right? And as I'm doing that, now we're activating the reticular activating system. This is where, because the reticular activating system is the part of our brain that makes meaning from data. There's too much data. I mean, this is a long explanation, but I'm gonna to try to make it really short. There's too much data for us to process in the world around us. We like literally can't process it all. There's so much data that our brain has to take shortcuts to even like, we call it a tree. But if, have you looked at a tree recently and actually like how many data points there are? You can't even conceive of how many data points there are in just a simple object like a tree, right? So mm-hmm. we slap a word on there and now we've like made a shortcut for our brain and it's easy, but it doesn't, it cuts off a whole lot of possibility out there in the world, right? So what the reticular activating system is, it's making, it's bringing to our conscious awareness through this, it's like a subconscious filter that brings to our conscious awareness what's important. What we've said is important to our subconscious mind. And what we've said is important is the things that we've spent our time paying attention to, the things that we've, brought to our conscious awareness again and again, the questions that we have that are unanswered, the things that we've imagined in our mind and all those things, the reticular activating system is saying, cool, that's important to me. Let's pay attention to what those things are. And now our reality literally becomes filled with those things. In fact, your reality, you're already doing this right now. And the listener, (laughs) you're doing this as we speak. Everything that you're aware of in your reality is only there because you've already primed your reticular activating system to notice the things that are relevant to you. And if you look around your environment, you start just naming things that are in your environment. I promise you, all of those things, you've primed yourself to make important to you (laughs) because you won't even be aware. It'll literally be like a blind spot in your reality. that You wouldn't even notice it until some, like for instance, your left heel. Nobody was thinking about that probably until I just said it. And now it's in your awareness, your left heel. Right, because right. <laughs> I just primed your reticular activating system, and now it became a part of your reality, even though it already like was. Anyway, I'm gonna go off on that tangent for a really long time. <laughs> I no, I know sad.
0: I get into that too because I'm such a visual person. I I know the power in that, and when you have that, I see your excitement and your like passion in the teaching people how it's limitless. There's no limits in life and you can do anything and you can be anything and you can have anything. These limits that we put upon ourselves are just these roadblocks that we're creating on our own, in our own reality. No one else is doing it, but ourselves. And that's where I think what I love about for me, working with the kids that I'm the teenagers to get that now in your mind, to know these tools at that age, instead of waiting till you wake up at 50 or maybe never wake up.
1: Totally. Yeah.
0: But Gosh, I get so, and I see your passion too. So I really like, you're a mirror of me <laughs> for yeah, sure. Totally. Anyway, so coming to the end, what we can find you on your website, your podcast, give us all yeah. the info on what you're doing now and what's coming
1: totally. up. Yeah. So uh, lucidshiftcoaching.com would be like where you could find any of us. And then the, the podcast is really the thing where we're really excited about. This is a relatively new project. We're like four episodes in at this point. Uh, the Shift to Freedom podcast, we're everywhere that you would want to listen to podcasts. Really excited. Having conversations about this, like the freedom conversations, like what does it mean to wake up to yourself, to be your most authentic self? And so we have a few different segments where you know my wife and I, are, we discuss Disney movies and all the metaphors that you yeah, can Yeah, I listened
0: to that. That was good. Yeah,
1: in, in the Disney movies. And my buddy Clayton and I talk about like, he's a relationship coach and like a being coach. And so we talk about like relationship and being, and what does it mean to like, like, cause I, I do business and he does his relationships. And, you know, we like, we have the conversations about how that shows up in both. And then Sophie is just such a great, she's so practical. She's in it day in day out in the entrepreneurial journey. And so she's like, she's very practical. She's so good at asking the questions that like get you to the, what are the action steps? You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So we have really, really good conversations there. And then I'll do solo episodes too, where I'm just exploring these concepts in a way where I can get like kind of organize the ideas and we can talk about like visualization, things like that. So that would be where I would encourage everybody else to, to catch up with us. The coaching business is, is full right now, but the podcast is designed to to help people
0: Coaching business is full. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. It's it's really nice to be in that place. Oh, I bet. That visual, that affirmation. I'm a powerful and effective coach. My calendar is filling up with paying clients. I ran that for 10,000 beads until I was seeing the results of it in my actual reality affirmations are one of those things that it's sound, I think people hear it and it sounds silly or it sounds like magical or whatever, but it's like one of those things that if you put the time into doing Mm -hmm. your reps in those things and doing your visualization with it, holy shit. It is like a game changer. When I was doing my learning back in the day and I was like, I had the social skills, you know, I was running, I'm calm, confident, funny, relaxed, energetic, entertaining, interesting, and able. I'm calm, confident, funny, relaxed. Energetic, energetic, just over and over and over again. And I would do it as I would like get myself ready to go to a bar and like talk to strangers. You know. Oh
0: my gosh!
1: And at the time, I felt like I was none of those things. Huh. And now, I genuinely and authentically feel like those are such integrated parts of my reality that there's no separation. You know. So uh,
0: no, I'm all about affirmations.
1: Run them, yeah. In a so
0: in the yeah in that way where you really are creating it, understanding that you are creating it you know, you're just yeah. not going through the motions, I guess is, you yeah. know, you have intentions
1: like saying things or like these big lists of affirmations. That's why that's not as useful is because right, you're not actually practicing them when you're doing that. You're just like running through them. Like, you know, like do saying it once, I mean, think about how many times you said the, all the nasty things that you say in your brain right. about yourself, right? Like how many reps of those you've done. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're going to have to, shift the pendulum to the other side. Totally.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I have, I work with like people in their forties that have, you know, have this constant negative loop and it's really hard to, you know, this, it's a habit and it's only a habit, but geez, to to think of how do I do this? And I'm like, it's
1: so simple. Change that one word. Yeah. Literally. And just repeat it as many times as many times as you can remember to repeat it, like, what if it's a game of like, how many times a day can I be saying this affirmation rather than like, well, I'll do 100 every day. And it's like, well, yeah, that's cool. And that'd be great, right? But what if you're just like, how often can I remember to think this thought about myself? How often can I remember to put myself in that future or that alternate reality where it's already happening that way? You know what I mean? Focus on qualities because, you know, outcomes are harder. I have a million dollars in the bank. That's not first of all money isn't as motivating but second of all it'll be harder for us to get over that like belief loop but if you say like i'm the kind of person who can make a million dollars that's a different place to, right. to come from you could imagine what that person looks like without having a million dollars in the bank already right right so so you know focus on qualities things like that but gosh so valuable i
0: know see we could I, talk I forever could talk I know. no kidding I love it okay so I, I was asked this question on a podcast from this amazing man that's for my friend Dominic Zenden he reads auras okay, and he cool. asked me it he likes to throw curveballs and so I'm gonna in honor of him I'm gonna throw you right. a curveball what was the last piece of music you listened to
1: um that I listened to that somebody else had done or that I listened no to- just was the last thing you listened to was it Anything on the radio, on your. Um, Well, I played hand pan last night and that would be the last music that I I listened to would be like on the hand pan.
0: What's that?
1: Um, It's this beautiful. This is this kind of looks like it. This thing back in the background. This uh This is a tongue, a tongue drum. But the hand pan is it's just like a big flying saucer. And it's only in. Tuned to itself so it's like or not only in tune to itself but it, it is all perfectly in tune to itself so you can it's like a drum that you can play that you can't hit a wrong note basically huh and that makes like toned music so you
0: it's, play that see i would oh, never yeah, have known that see that that question's <laughs> kind of cool i asked that question to someone <laughs> and they just threw him for a loop he was like oh my gosh barbara streisand and he was so embarrassed <laughs> yes. So, why just, barbara
1: streisand's awesome
0: yeah i'm like no i love her yeah. but it was but yeah i would never have known you played that
1: yeah it's so beautiful too if you if you want something to work to or something type in like handpan meditation music or handpan music
0: mm-hmm. and you can
1: hear the tone it's really such a beautiful instrument
0: is that why you do it for meditation
1: i do it because it sounds really pretty and i just like love yeah it's like a meditation i guess it's very present making but you know it's like just making sweet, beautiful music. <laughs> Does Paige really the do it experience. too? Sometimes, not as much. She's been learning the ukulele and uh, she really enjoys that. And sometimes we'll play together. I also play guitar and ukulele. So oh,
0: neat.
1: we'll play together on that. But the hand she mostly listens. It's really okay. pretty.
0: Neat. Well, I never would have known unless I asked you that question.
1: So, <laughs> anyway, thanks, Ben. It was
0: so fun. No.
1: Thanks for the conversation. Yes, you're welcome. You're you're really on sweet purpose.
0: You're what? On sweet purpose?
1: Yeah, you're on a sweet purpose. Yeah, I really appreciate what you're doing.
0: Oh, thank you. And all my friends up there in Bonnie Lake, go find Ben. (laughs) Go find (laughs) Ben at the, go hang out at all the coffee shops. I'm sure he'll find meet you.
1: If there's people listening to this in Bonnie Lake, Paige uh, started a, a community group called the Bonnie Lake Girl Tribe. And you can find it on Facebook and it's got 1700 members and they're like very active. They like do events together all the time. So if if you're in Bonnie Lake, check out the Bonnie Lake girl tribe. It's really beautiful.
0: Oh, perfect. All my Bonnie Lake tribe. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, thanks Ben. So fun to meet you. So fun. to I could talk to you all day. Thank you for listening to the uncover your magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today,